And we're back here on Unusual Sources 93.3 CFMU-FM, broadcasting to Hamilton at 93.3 on the FM dial and the rest of the world at our online streaming website at cfmu.ca, our new modern website for mobile devices, computers, PCs, live streaming, Twitter, and more. So um, today, as promised, we do have Montreal-based publisher and author Robin Philpot joining us uh, to discuss two exciting book releases that are here this season. I think we have him on the line now. Uh, Robin, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me, Brendan. Well, uh, I could not not invite you. I got a number of interesting emails from Baraka Books, which, by the way, people can find on the internet. I'm just on my mobile device here reading a release, and uh, you can do the same thing. Just go to, uh, what is the uh, website, Robin? Is, is it Baraka Books? BarakaBooks.com. Okay. And jumps up right away. Perfect. Okay, because there are two books we want to notify people about. And the first one, and it's kind of pertinent to what we're doing here on Unusual Sources, which is uh, our continuing coverage of Black History Month. Um, mm-hmm. It has to do with Albert Einstein. And you might say, what does Albert Einstein have to do with Black History Month or Black History? But, of course, one of the lesser-known things about Albert Einstein is that he was highly political. He was, he was very progressive, and he took an interest in U.S. politics. Um, you know, it's commonly believed that Einstein was this kind of head-in-the-clouds genius, and he, he was a genius, but he was not someone who was disengaged from the problems of his day. Um, and I know you certainly have gotten a very good sense of this with your relationship with Fred Jerome and publishing more than one book. Uh, now, the current mm-hmm. book, I understand, uh, this is a, um, a new edition of Fred Jerome's um, The Einstein File. Is that right? Right. It's Fred Jerome... Um He's, he, he's a veteran scientific science, science journalist, um, and he got um, started examining, um, you know, studying Einstein, and he, he, he found out that he'd heard, and it was sort of common knowledge, that the FBI had been after um, Einstein. And so he, through an access of information um, request, and it took a long time, and he got the FBI file, and it was all redacted, as they say, like removed. They covered all kinds of things. He managed to work at it and get a, a relatively unredacted, in other words, where they didn't black it out, um, version of that file. And he he went into it, and he realized to what point the FBI under Hoover had left led a war against um, Albert Einstein from the moment he set foot. And even before he came, because he was, he'd left Germany, uh, he'd renounced his German citizenship because of uh, Nazi Germany, and then he, before he even uh, be, came to North America and came to the United States, um, uh, the FBI was after him, and he, and so uh, Fred, and and <clears throat> of course Einstein. Fred pointed out Einstein said it several times. My life is divided between equations and politics. Well, where better to find out what his politics were than reading the FBI's file on him, 2,000 pages on the man. And um, that's what led Fred to dig into it and dig into it more and more. And uh, one of the discoveries of it, and of course, and Fred has pushed that into much further, and in his new updated ver- edition, He's got a, a 30, 40-page 
um, additions to what he put out in the book when the book first came out in 2002, where he delved further into his um, Einstein's commitment and um, actions in fighting racism and uh, segregation in the United States. We had exactly. leaders like Paul Robeson. Paul Robeson and he were very close friends. Um, and W.E.B. Du Bois, or they called Du Bois. Yes, it's absolutely true. It's just very exciting for me because it relates to so many of the things we're covering on the radio right now, both here in Hamilton and over in Toronto on the Taylor Report. The Taylor Report just rebroadcast their October interview with Fred Jerome about Paul Robeson. Um, right. Fantastic well, interview. He knew. Fred, Fred knew uh, Robeson. He, he, he saw him and, uh, several times and he knew him and um, knew a lot of people who were very close to him, including his own father. Fred yes. Father. There are big networks of activism at the time, and um, you see some examples of that. Um, in the case of Einstein and, and how it relates to Black History Month, there's a great photo that you can actually find on the Taylor Report's Facebook page, and um, it shows Einstein with some children, and it says, When Albert Einstein arrived in America, he was shocked at how black Americans were treated. Uh, quote, right. There is a separation of colored people from white people in the United States, he said. Uh, that separation is not a disease of colored people. It is a disease of white people. And exactly. I do, you know, he's not going to be quiet about it. And it's great. And I just think it's amazing that Einstein was able to take such a dialectical approach to the question. Because often, at the time especially, the issue was being framed as the Negro problem or, you know, the, right. the Negro question. And, and, you know, Einstein's saying here, you know, if this isn't um, a black problem. What you actually have here is a white problem. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And he, um, Princeton is uh, in New Jersey, but it's southern New Jersey, and uh, for all intents and purposes, it was a southern state, um, you know, in that area. And there, and segregation was alive and well at Princeton University. Um, and uh, so he, he lived on, uh, this, this is in the new updated version of, of Fred's book, which is coming out, his very close relationship with the people of Witherspoon, uh, with the street where which was in the black area and uh, where, where nobody crossed. And he was, people had such fine memories of the man. The man would talk to them, would, would, would spend time with them, and, and um, uh, was like, he, and he fought against, in the university, he fought against uh, racism. He got honorary doctorates from the Lincoln University, which was one of the very few um, African-American universities, um, and he made some of these speeches, some speeches which we quote in this um, new edition of the book. So it, it, it's very, um, it, and this is one of the things the FBI hated about him. That, that's the interesting thing. And here you have the state, the U.S. state, um, going after this, this icon of, of science and, and knowledge who was an anti, who had left Europe because he was in Germany, and to, uh, because he was against Nazism and he was against the anti-Semitism, they reproached him for these things. It, 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 the, you can see the, the contradiction. I mean, it, it, they were, they, he was being reproached by the, and they were following him around and um, reading his mail and going through his garbage. You know, um, things were not on computers, and so they had to go and filter through people's uh, waste, basket, waste paper baskets and so on. So they were doing that about him to find out, to establish what he was doing, and what he was doing was taking, defending causes like 
the Republicans in the Spanish Civil War. He joined in Robeson's campaign to end lynching. You know, in 1946, and, and Fred points out what was going on in 46, people who would return from the Second World War, um, African Americans, were being lynched. And uh, they'd fought for the country, but then uh, they'd returned and they were being lynched in the South. So they, they, they organized this, orga, this organization called the American Crusade Against Lynching, um, led by uh, Robeson and Einstein. Yes. Einstein joined in. And that's one of, one of the crimes of the FBI thought of, uh, of Einstein. And they had, and this is coming out in the new edition too, and Fred didn't realize this at the time because understanding what these files is, you you got to, it's, it's like deciphering uh, codes. Um, and he realized that, of course, the the file of Einstein is under treason. And treason is the is, is the worst crime in the United States. Um, and there are not many, that many people who are accused of treason because all the so-called founding fathers of 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 the um, United States were accused of treason against the King of England, and so they, they don't go and use a uh, charge with that easily, whereas Fred has discovered, and this is all in the new edition, that, that, that his file was a treason file, and, and his treasonous acts included joining in this crusade against lynching, to end lynching. So it's, you know, um, anyway, it, it, you, you realize what a man he was and how the, the sort of absent-minded genius image or narrative just is not any, doesn't, doesn't um, deal, doesn't treat him with respect. No, no. no. And I mean, something broadly similar was done to Martin Luther King in that they kind of turned him into a more liberal figure, although he was becoming more radical on domestic and foreign questions in the later years of his life. Einstein, of course, was heavily involved in these radical things, and they present us with this puppet show of what they say Einstein is to young people today. And people are shocked to learn that he was uh, highly engaged in this. And, you know, as you pointed out, um, he was on the right side of a lot of issues before it was popular or safe to do so. And this repression by the FBI occurs at a time when people like Einstein were being investigated by J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI for things like premature anti-fascism. Uh, you know, when, when they supported the, the Republican side, Republican Spain against the fascists, against Franco, a lot of Americans did, of course, and then they come back, uh, some of them fight in World War II and then come back, and they're investigated uh, for, you know, yeah. be, being against Hitler and Franco before it was cool to be uh, against those two. He was also um, very much opposed to the House on america uh, the HUAC, the House on american Activities uh, Committee, which was at the height of McCarthyism, and he uh, invited people and not to cooperate with him. He denounced them uh, on TV. He was on Eleanor Roosevelt's show. He was very close to um, Du Bois, who was convoked to the HUAC and encouraged him not to cooperate or collaborate with the House Un-American um, Activities Committee. In other words, in the McCarthyism, he was at the front and center of, of the fight against it, uh, McCarthyism in the, in the uh, late 40s and 50s. Um, and the, another interesting point is we've got two forwards to this. Uh, people, 
we approached two people, um, uh, Jammu Baraka, um, who was the Green Party candidate, vice presidential candidate in the, in the last election, a very, very well-spoken and uh, committed activist. He's, a, he's written a, an excellent um, uh, foreword called, uh, and the title is uh, McCarthyism, um, the old, uh, Einstein and McCarthyism, uh, the old and the new. Uh, and so he's trying to, he links, he, he said, this is wonderful that this book is being uh, brought out again because he says we're facing this kind of problem once again. And the other uh, forward is by David Suzuki, um, the Canadian scientist, and his uh, forward is called um, Squelching Scientists Then and Now. In other words, he sees the, the, um, what they were trying to do to uh, Einstein and others, by the way, but Einstein was the was probably the most um, most important. Um, and what they, what's happening with scientists t- today, too, uh, particularly with climate change, but also other issues as well. So, anyway, these are these are good things, and both of them um, saw this as saying, "Yes, I have to be involved in this because." Um, we're dealing with similar issues today. Well, I couldn't agree more, and I'm glad you brought up uh, Ajahn Mubaraka on this and, and his new foreword in the book, because, of course, Baraka has been working on this very issue, the issues that are raised in the book. I mean, you've spent time right here describing how the FBI investigating Albert Einstein for treason and <clears throat> investigating all sorts of people for these allegedly un-American activities, all this behind closed doors, tracking of these people, looking through their garbage, rooting through Einstein's garbage. And it comes at a time when in in the United States, uh, all these liberals are upset about Trump winning instead of Clinton. And they formed what's called this, you know, resistance. And it seems everyone's part of this resistance. George Bush is part of the resistance. Uh, the FBI. Uh, all these people are saying we got to hug the FBI. And the FBI is our friend. Yeah. And the FBI is the friend of leftists. It's a friend of black people. It's the friend of progressives. And and of course, if you know any history at all, you know that the FBI has traditionally not been the friend of left-wing people in the United States or of African movements or anything like that. And here they are investigating Albert Einstein. Uh, yeah. for subversive activities. So I think, you know, Baraka knows this very well because he's on Facebook every day talking about the total inadequacy of the, the people that are purporting to be a, against the establishment. Yeah, I, I do recommend um, following, becoming a follower of uh, Jamal Baraka in um, uh, the, um, uh, his Twitter account. He's, very, he's got a lot of followers and he has writes these very smart statements on Twitter um, almost daily. So, but um, the, the, um, anyway, it, it, it's, we're, we're, it's quite exciting that this book is coming out again, and we're very um, honored that, um, that Fred proposed it to us the, and uh, to bring it out and have, uh, also have these uh, um, forwards. And so anyway, it, it will be out in April. Yes, it's the spring, and, you know, I got to say, I think it's launching maybe on 1st of May or something somewhere. Yeah. Uh, You know, and and the thing about this is you've got 25 new pages that have new developments about this treason investigation and all. This is what people want to know about. And also, things that Fred didn't know in 2002, Um, for instance, Einstein's position on the state of Israel 
and um, and Zionism, uh, which he wrote another book on, but he summarized what he's discovered on that question. Um, and so it's 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 like it's that's a thirty-page update plus the um, the two forwards plus some new photos. So I, it, it's 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 I, I think it's a great um, and it'll be a nice. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a it's a great thing, and I'm here. I'm glad to be able to republish it here um, uh, in the United States. Uh, he he, it, it was out with St. Martin's Press, but then um, they didn't keep it going. So uh, he he um, asked me, and so we said, sure, it'd be wonderful. Wow. Okay. Well, for those who are just tuning in, we're speaking with Robin Philpot, again, author and publisher uh, based in, in Montreal, uh, Baraka Books. You can find all this good stuff up there. But before we go, we have to talk about this upcoming Stephen Gowan's book launch. Uh, right. You know, this is a huge deal for us. We did a, a Hamilton book launch for Stephen Gowan's right. his first, uh, uh, you know, speaking appearance in the city. And it was, you know, basically sold out attendance. And it, uh, he's become an international figure now. And this new book on, on North Korea, it is so exciting extremely timely. The relevance of this book cannot be uh, made any, any more clear than it is. So, because right well, now... Let me to correct you one thing, Brendan. Sure. It's not about South, South Korea, North Korea, it's about Korea. Yes, I, and even my own notes say that. <laughs> yeah, just, and we, we carefully chose the, the title, it's called Patriots, Traitors, and Empires, The Story of Korea's Fight for Freedom, because um, these creations of South and Northern North Korea... As I think people are beginning to to observe to to notice with what's going on uh, with and now currently during the Olympics, that we're talking about basically one people with one culture and one history that are are um, divided along a fictional uh, so-called international border, and so people are starting to you know like we see that they 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 walked in under one flag. The women's hockey team is a united team to the point, and this just rankled the United States. Pence was there, Vice President Pence was there. He didn't even stand up. He was he insulted his hosts, the Korean president, the president of the of, of the Republic of Korea, um, and the sister of the leader of North Korea. We're right there. Everybody stood up except for the vice president of the United States. It just, it's, it, it, and it, you, you see this as it's impressed people. It's making people starting to ask the right questions. And interestingly, the number one member of the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, from the United States, a woman, a former athlete, uh, Olympic competitor, um, and I don't have her name in front of me, but... Um, said that the women's hockey team that should be a candidate for the Nobel Prize. And in other words, you even have in the United States people coming around saying, oh, this is wonderful, this is in the interest of peace. Well, that's not what Washington wants. Um, anyway, people are asking the questions, and they're saying, where does this separation come from? How does it come about? And I tell you, every all the answers to these questions are going to be in uh, Stephen's book. Yes. Like why, how the line was drawn on the 10th of August, 1945. It was drawn um, at the request of the of um, the American Secretary of State. Uh, I think it was Secretary of War. Said, draw a line 
uh, the day after they dropped a bomb on Nagasaki um, to say where uh, the country would be divided between places occupied by the Americans and the Soviets after the defeat of Japan. And they were going to occupy it for five years and have pan-Korean elections. And it was starting with that date that the United States started working against um, a united Korea. And they had they managed to get all their allies, including Canada, to back them on that. And then, which, step by step. Anyway, all the answers in the question are in the book. Um, but now, at least, people are being brought around to ask the right questions. Well, even from the shorter descriptions and press releases sent out by Baraka Books, it's been utterly clear that what Stephen Gowan's new book is about is about Korea as a whole. Um, yeah. In terms of being part of an anti-colonial struggle. Um, and it was, right. it was part of a global anti-colonial struggle at that time among many countries, but uh, particular to Korea, they, they had a definite problem of, of being colonized. Uh, the, right. That whole country was colonized by the Japanese, and there was a fight against it. And that, that fight against Japanese colonialism shaped Korea today. And the two halves of Korea, the North and the South, were both deeply affected by their relationship to that, that struggle. Um, and, you know, the they're not properly free because even now they have to struggle with neo-colonialism. And I think the book explores how South Korea is, you know, effectively a military subsidiary of the United States and North Korea has to arm itself and spend so much on armaments and, and being, having garrisons because they are surrounded by this superpower, which controls the, the operation of the South Korean military in wartime. Yeah. There's one person, uh, Stephen quotes, he said, there are not two Koreas, there's three Koreas. Uh, North Korea, South Korea, and the American base. Um, some people have called it, I think, in Allen's and his, um, has, has said it's, it's a puppet state, or you could call it a stationary U.S. aircraft carrier, um, and which which uh, I think is the description. And they, they do maintain military control over South Korea. And, and what's interesting right now is that the current president of South Korea, he was elected uh, on a platform that he was going to, on a platform rapprochement and possible, you know, talks about reunifying Korea. Um, so what is going on is exactly uh, what they were planning to do, what they wanted to do, and the United States is just sitting there trying to prevent it from happening. Um, doing it very, uh, how would you say, clumsily. They're not they're not very good at it, but they are doing it, and, they, and it is dangerous. And Cowan's goes goes through how they decided that the only way to ensure the security in North, of North Korea and their ability to work independently, without devoting all their money to military, was to develop a nuclear deterrent, and. They're, they, they, um, that's all it is. It's not um, for aggressive um, fighting beyond its own borders, which is the case of the United States. That's why they develop nuclear arms, is to dominate the world. Um, the North Korea has developed this in order to prevent um, intervention and it, it, it is a cure, purely a, a question of self-defense, a deterrent. And they, what they they have, they don't have a 
you know, have, have a, I mean, the amount of nuclear weapons they have compared to what the United States has is just, it's like a, an elephant and an, and an ant, you know. Well, it's very lopsided, but anyone who arms themselves against this burglar, that is the United States, gets demonized. If they have a military parade, we all point and, you know, and, and snicker and look at, look at those parades, never mind all the, the veterans and other affairs and ceremonies and air shows that happen in the United States and Canada and the, the royalty, yeah. the monarchy for the queen and her horse parade and all this. Others, that's okay, but uh, the Koreans can't do that. We can send our tanks literally into other people's countries and have 4,000 U.S. soldiers in, in, in Syria right now, and that's okay, but, you know, the North Koreans shouldn't have, you know, military parades. Yeah, so and, you know, and they shouldn't. So, anyway, it, it, it's. I think it's an it's an important book. It's, it's book on Syria um, was a very useful um, answer to the warmongering in the Middle East. Um, and this book is, is is the same kind of book in a sense that it it, it provides you with the answers. Um, it, it 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 destroys the caricature that they're making of North Korea. Because you look at and you, you read this and say, well, yeah, if I were in North Korea, if I were a Korean, I would be doing the same thing. Um, which is, a, and, and uh, you know, it it really helps to um, answer these questions because you know the propaganda can be so strong. Um, one of the elements of propaganda is to ridicule this country, um, and 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 so he answers these questions. So anyway, I think it'll be very a useful contribution to uh, to truth and to peace. Yes, and, and of course, many Koreans are becoming more vocal about it as well. Uh, because of the Olympics, there's so much interest in the, in the North Korean teams, and there's been so much vocal expression of, of interest by uh, just ordinary people in South Korea saying, I want to learn more about these athletes, and I want to learn more about the North. And I think there really is this drive towards uh, greater unity, um, and, and we see so clearly now that the United States is the odd man out on the peninsula. Uh, yeah, and the other thing that's, that's very important in this is to understand um, Japanese colonialism and uh, the history of Japanese uh, when when they had this anti-Comintern pact between the Germans and and the and um, Japan, um, and they were trying to divide up colonies, and uh, you know Germany was going to colonize uh, all of Eastern Europe. And Japan was all of Asia. I mean, they were just a brutal uh, occupation of China, Korea throughout that time. And uh, it was defeated. But, you know, the United States, because of it, got into a Cold War mentality immediately following the Second World War, reinstated the people they'd fought against in Japan to the point everybody talks about the the Kim dynasty in northern Korea. But, you know, the current... Uh, uh, Prime Minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe, is the grandson of a Class A war criminal from Japan during the Second World War. In other words, and he's not the only one. But what the United States did is they reinstated these people because they needed to have, in order to d- dominate that area, they needed to have that, uh, and also to have the Japanese economy in the American sphere. And they needed to uh, re- rebuild it uh, with the people they'd been fighting during the Second World War. And so then they started working with the fascists and the, um, and the Japanese imperialists again. So 
uh, and the Koreans, of course, they do not forget these things, whether they're southern or northern Koreans. They don't forget that 40-year period almost uh, where they were under Japanese rule, um, which yeah. was very, very brutal as well. So, Even though you had the, the American commentator during the Olympics saying, you know, oh, the South Koreans, you know, they really look up to Japan as something, uh, a force that was shaping their country and making them what they are today. You know, just that if you saw <laughs> during the... Yeah, Olympics. or NBC, yeah. NBC guy. <laughs> so it's the Americans who are sweeping this under the rug. Yeah, he was. He's not just anybody. He was a, a Kissinger Institute um, official, um, and NBC had to let him go because people were just the South Koreans were so mad. Yeah. Well, you know, Gowans is going to cover all of this, and it's in the book. And I just wh- we got to know how. Do, when's it coming out? How do we get a hold of the book? People soon- can know, or pre-order it now at barracabooks.com. It's Patriots, Traitors, and Empires: The Story of Korea's Struggle for Freedom. The book will be, it's officially out June 1st, but we'll be having it, uh, we'll be sending them out towards the end of April. Exactly, um, yeah. It, it, we have a, often the, the actual pub, publication date is a bit later, but the book, uh, it's, it's up for pre-order now. Yeah. Um, and I think Stephen's going to be doing some touring as well, again. Okay, well that's what you want to do, you pre-order, and you can do that at the uh, Baraka Books website. So. Robin, thanks so much. These are two very exciting releases. Uh, you, you can't even cover both of them really in, fully in one interview. But well, well, I just hope that you get a chance to talk with Fred or Jamu Baraka or with Stephen Gowans about them because they know their books much better than I do. I mean, I've read them so carefully now as a publisher, but they're, they're the ones who can defend them the best. Oh, it's very likely I'll be speaking with them as well. So, uh, Robin, th- thanks again. Thanks for your time, and we'll get this out there. This is such an exciting season for Baraka Books, and, and there's going to be international interest in all of this. So uh, I'll leave you to it. I know you've got work to do, but thanks again for being on the program today. Okay. Thanks, Brendan. And that was Robin Philpott at Baraka Books. I do recommend you go there because they have uh, interesting media information about these books, including the Einstein file. By the way, Robin mentioned that the Einstein file now has two new introductions, David Suzuki, Ajum Baraka. It also um, has a press blurb by um, Thomas Pynchon. Uh, listen to this. This carefully researched and reported account of Einstein's surveillance by the FBI adds new what Einstein might call dimension, not only to his personal history, but maybe even to our own present-day character as a nation, conceived as it was in the moral vacuum of the McCarthy era, shaped by the, civ- the Cold War and too many ill-conceived adventures overseas come to maturity in this current precarious hour. Sometimes what worries the FBI can also serve as a clue to what, somewhere back in our national soul, lingering and toxic, has been eating away at us. In redeeming from the forces favoring general amnesia this essential set of connections, Fred Jerome has given us back a piece of our history and hopefully of our conscience as well. Uh, That's author Thomas Pynchon on the new edition of Fred Jerome's The Einstein File. I highly recommend you go to Baraka Books, pre-order the Gowans book, and see when you can get a hold of the new edition of The Einstein File. We'll surely be talking to some of these authors, such as Stephen Gowans and others, on these very exciting releases. Uh, We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back.